Welcome along to the Property Canopy Podcast. I'm your host, Ibn Knight. And today on the show, we're talking about misleading and false headlines from the media. Now, look, there are a lot of media articles and headlines out there at the moment that seem pretty scary for property investors. And what we wanted to do was test out how accurate some of those really scary headlines are actually are in practice. And Andrew, this is something that you were writing about in one of your recent editions of Private Property, your weekly email newsletter that gets sent out on a Thursday. And I'm so glad we did this because whenever I see a headline that's, oh, oh you know, just a bit misleading, but not 100% the truth, oh, it makes me angry. Oh, I know, I know. But I mean, look, you know what we say about reporters. What do we say about reporters? I don't know. That's what they're there to sell newspapers, not to actually have any kind of knowledge of the industry. Okay, well, let's... Hopefully no reporters are about to stop listening to the Property Academy podcast after me saying that. Well, there are four headlines we want to go through that recently came out, and these are just examples of where you can have quite a salacious headline that then isn't necessarily backed up 100% by facts. They're never completely false, but there are some that probably don't accurately reflect the actual truth. Take us away with number one. By the way, I like salacious. That was a good choice of words. Number one, surging mortgage rates. Reserve Bank fears thousands of first-home buyers in trouble. And actually, it will link to the articles in the show notes. And look, what does this kind of thing make you think as a property investor or someone that's reading this? Well, it kind of makes you think that the Reserve Bank is worried that first-home buyers have got too much debt and there's going to be this desperate sell-off causing prices to fall because, of course, people will be dumping their properties on the market when those interest rates increase. Well, is the headline fact or fiction? It's fiction. The Reserve Bank didn't say that first-home buyers were in trouble. They said that if interest rates rise to a very high level, some recent purchasers will face serviceability stress because, of course, these people have gone into the bank and they've maybe budgeted on a 2.5% interest rate and now they're faced with a 5.5% interest rate. So what's going to have to happen is there'll have to be this adjustment of people with their living expenses. Now, remember, the banks use a test rate of probably at the time 65 to 7%. So people can afford to service their loans based on on higher interest rates. It's just that probably they're not used to it and they're used to spending a bit more of their discretionary income. Yeah, and the quote from the Reserve Bank was that they'd need to, quote, sharply reduce, unquote, their living expenses to be able to keep up with the mortgage payments. But the thing that really gets me about these is people try and have it both ways. So you can't on one hand say that the banks should be more understanding or use a lower interest rate or understand that people will reduce their living expenses if interest rates rise, which we've said before on the show that actually, you know what, we should take a more realistic or what's the word that the non-banks use? Pragmatic. A more pragmatic approach to assessing somebody's serviceability. You can't have that view and then at the same time say, oh, well, it's really bad when first-home buyers have to yeah. adjust their living expenses as interest rates rise. You've got one way or the other. You either have very, very tight mortgage criteria, which I believe we have, which is why these people will be insulated, or you take the other view, which is that people have to be pragmatic. You can't have it both ways. The second headline was, quote, day of reckoning coming for borrowers of $160 billion in housing loans after Reserve Bank hikes OCR. This was a good one. I remember seeing this. Well, the other interesting thing here was a very good economist, Calvin Davidson from CoreLogic, was quoted in this article talking about, and he actually did use the term day of reckoning. But what was the article actually suggesting? It was suggesting that there's about $160 billion of mortgage loans, which could potentially come under stress as borrowers fix their loans at higher interest rates. And the reason, just so you guys know about this, is the bulk of 
of mortgage lending in New Zealand are on short-term interest rates. So a one-year, a six-month, a two-year. And as those are gradually rolling off, these people are going to be fixing at higher interest rates because maybe they fixed at 2.49%. Now they're going to be fixing potentially at 5%, 5 5.5%, something around those lines. And what this was suggesting is all of that $160 billion is going to come under stress. Now, is that fact or is it fiction? Actually, it's total fiction because most of that $160 billion will not face any sort of day of reckoning or hellfire and damnation because of those interest rates. And the simple reason because of that is most borrowers do not have a lot of debt. Now, this is fascinating. I want you to listen closely to this because it's going to blow your socks off. (laughs) While some borrowers have taken on a lot of debt, and I'm really talking about the marginal borrower here, the first home buyer who's just borrowed at 90% in order to be able to buy their first home. But the average mortgage is much smaller than many Kiwis think. It's actually way smaller. What do you think it is? Think about it in your mind right now. What do you think the average mortgage is in New Zealand? $363,000. You were wrong, weren't you? You didn't get $363,000. That's okay. That's why you listen to the show. But what's interesting is according to CoreLogic, the average house value in New Zealand is just a touch over a million dollars. The average LVR in New Zealand is less than 40%. And the reason is because many of you listening to this show will have purchased properties a long time ago, and you would have purchased at a cheaper price than you would today. Your mortgage would have been paid off over time while the value of that house is increasing. And that's why your mortgage is actually relatively small compared to the value of your house. In fact, 26%, over a quarter of all borrowers in New Zealand have a debt-to-income ratio of three or less, which is pretty small in the grand scheme of things. And so while it might be natural for a journalist to say, okay, there's $160 billion that's going to roll off fixed terms. Oh my God, the interest rates are so much higher. All of these people are going to be totally effed up. Well, actually, that's probably not going to be the case for a good bulk of that $160 billion because a large proportion of people have relatively low mortgages, the average is low, and a third of people have quite low debt-to-income ratios, and another 20% of people only have them between three and four. So I don't think that it's fair to say that there is going to be a day of reckoning for all of $160 billion in housing loans. It'll be part of it, part of that will come under stress, but certainly not all of it. That's just hyperbole. What's number three, Andrew? Number three, New Zealand banks predict 20% drop in house prices over the next year. And this one was from The Guardian. And look, that sounds terrifying. And it claims that Westpac predicts that house prices will fall by up to 20%. Well, again, this is fiction. It's not what Westpac said at all. What they said was there'd be a 20% drop in inflation-adjusted prices. Keywords there being inflation-adjusted. So a 20% drop in house prices is not the same as a 20% drop in inflation-adjusted house prices. When you think about inflation, if inflation's 10% and you have a market drop of 10%, that's the 20% inflation-adjusted house price. So the price you could sell your house for has not gone down by 20%, it's just gone by the 10% example I just gave you. And inflation-adjusted prices are always something that people struggle to get their head around, and that's why I think it's particularly misleading that The Guardian, first of all, misquoted Westpac, and they misquoted it from a a Stuff article, which actually got it right. But the trouble is, that's the sort of thing that would be shared, and people would rely on for their investment decisions. How many Uber drivers do you think were going around at the weekend talking to people about that? Probably a lot of them. Imagine the likes they'd get and the comments they'd have on Facebook. It'd be obscene. I wonder how much of that is intentional, though, right? 
Oh, I don't think The Guardian intentionally misquoted Westpac. I don't think you'd claim that they had some bad intentions trying to make it even more salacious. The last thing we need is another cease and desist. (laughs) 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 Property Academy podcast claims Guardian is just a fraudulent newspaper. (laughs) Anyway, to get the word out about the show. (laughs) And number four, and this was, oh, this is my personal favourite. Let's get into it. This one came from Radio New Zealand, actually. And the headline was, Reserve Bank says housing investment no longer a one-way bet for Kiwis. And one of our financial advisors sent this to me and said, Ed, this sounds really scary. I said, Kathy, where does the Reserve Bank ever claimed that housing investment was a one-way yeah, bet? Absolutely. Like, turn it around. It's never been a one-way <laughs> bet. So while, the, you know, if you read that headline, no longer a one-way bet, it never bloody was. You know <laughs> it, I know it, everyone knows it. And I've been sitting here for the past three years playing you clips of the Reserve Bank Governor Adrian Orr and his predecessor talking about how it's not a one-way bet. And of course it's not a one-way bet. Prices go up, prices go down. Now, I tell you what, this did come from a speech that Paul Conway, the Chief Economist at the Reserve Bank, gave to a national body that's in the House. And I read the whole speech. It was actually a very good, very balanced speech where he was canvassing the reasons why housing has increased in value and increased in price over the last 20 to 30 years. And the second to last sentence when he was summing up was this, quote, but the tide may well have turned against housing being a one-way bet for a generation of Kiwis, end quote. Now, I think the key thing you've got to understand is this was one sentence at the very end of a speech, which is just there to wrap it all up. And of course, I don't believe for a second that the senior economist at the Reserve Bank or anyone there ever thought that it was a one-way bet. And I think the issue here is that he actually gave a really good speech talking about interest rates and things that we could actually use as property investors when thinking about it. And maybe maybe we'll go through it at some point in the future. But they're focused on the second to last sentence just because it made a good headline despite the fact that you've got to read through it. Like, actually, we all know that it's not a one-way bet, so what's there to worry about if they say that it's not a one-way bet? So let me ask you this. If, as we're going through this, and we're saying, oh, this is a bit misleading, that's a bit misleading, not everybody's going to be able to sit around and fact-check everything. So where do you get info from if you were going to be looking at making an investment decision? Look, I think the key thing you need to remember is that newspapers aren't there to give you investment advice, and they certainly don't know your personal financial situation, so I wouldn't be relying on it. They're there to entertain you and tell you what someone said, but you need to get the full picture. And as we know here on the show, they never, ever quote in full. Oh, we've we've been quoted and... Misquoted. (laughs) And semi-quoted. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's probably the key thing. Look, I think you need to go to actual places that are reporting facts. So our magazines are a great start, Informed Investor and New Zealand Property Investor Magazine. Use specialist business publications. So things like the NBR or Business Desk. And of course, podcasts like the Property Academy podcast, but also CoreLogic's New Zealand Property Market podcast is excellent, excellent source of data. And it's without the fluff, I guess you could say. I think it's really important that it's the specialist publications, people who are either focused on business news or publications that are focused specifically on investments. And probably Tony's view. Oh, definitely. If you're looking for a market update, that's probably going to give you the most well-rounded view of the New Zealand economy and the housing market. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to grow your property portfolio in 2022, then you might like to come in for a portfolio planning session. Hey, easy way to sign up for that. Text the word PLAN to 5522. We'll give you a call, see if it's the right fit. Thanks for listening to the 
Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.